1: because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example.
0: That is the history. Of the journey of America. You're very welcome to another Irishman in America with me, Jarneth Regan, over here, and Marion McKeown over there. You'll hear my voice a bit croaky. It's very early. I was in late recording something last night. So I'll get my apology in early, Marion. <laughs> <Okay>. really, uh, <laughs> My throat isn't up to it today. So I'm going to have to have you do a lot of the heavy lifting. Looks like Donald Trump is going to get. Uh, you know, it's terrible when you plan an indictment and then it does doesn't happen. I know. It's, it's really you worse. Feel
1: sorry for him. Do you think he'll oh, give all that money sure. back that he raised off the arrest? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just I felt so bad for him because he was clearly excited about his indictment. He was Very planning the photos. Yeah, the purple. He going to have friends the hair was over ready. It. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen, It's. It, it, I feel a little bit like I was taken in on the whole thing. Do you feel that at you all? Know, that,
1: that does that surprise it, you greatly that a Donald Trump prediction or something that he states as fact that like moses down from the mountain that it just doesn't happen because if we Mm. look at the whole trajectory of Donald (laughs) Trump's career and we're talking about way before he became a politician it just doesn't tend to happen a lot of times Mm. you know predictions just don't tend to happen
0: yeah and you you it's funny that even we didn't look under the hood of this at all and go oh This is this was never the plan. Everywhere I I looked, it seemed to be what people were talking about. But it clearly wasn't going to happen and wasn't on on the books as a plan. But he convinced us all that this was it. And he was now going to be a martyr. The Manhattan grand jury we're referring to in the alleged hush money payment to porn star Stormy Daniels investigation is due to take this hiatus. And yeah. it's planned. This was a long time coming, plan. but it does mean yeah. that it pushes out any chance of an indictment until the end of April.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Now, ju- just going back in that, and I think we did say last week that the only person saying that Donald Trump was going to be arrested last Tuesday was Donald Trump. It certainly didn't come from Alvin Bragg's office. There were no leaks from anywhere. Law enforcement saying, you know, we're going to arrest him. They did put up the barriers in anticipation of Trump's supporters turning up and and creating a ruckus, but that was after Trump had declared this on his Truth Social, I'm going to be arrested on Tuesday, send me all your money, (laughs) sort of thing. These things take their course, okay? There's no deadline for this. There is a statute of limitations looming in the background that could come into play in about a month or six weeks, but there is no other real deadline. And it was always planned that the grand jury in this case, because East coming up. And you've got Eid, you've got Easter, you've got, you know, the Jewish holidays, you've got a whole bunch of holidays coming up. And it seemed that the sensible thing to do too, and school holidays and other things that would inconvenience the members of the grand jury. And it was always on the card that's, that they would take a couple of weeks off around then to facilitate well, them.
0: Can I ask you, though, The first of all, Alvin Bragg has received so many death threats. There's a powder well, yeah. that was sent. Yeah. This is where we're at in terms of the violence. But yeah. I wondered if I could put to you that Trump's got this a bit wrong in that I don't know if there is going to be violence when you consider what a great job was done in terms of pursuing those involved in January 6th and jailing them is... It, the situation, Marion, that if you're a Trump follower, now you're going, yeah, I love Donald Trump, but you know, I'm not going to get arrested for the guy. And the pursuit of the January 6th people proved that this will happen if you do it.
1: It's so interesting you brought that up because there are so there are a couple of different strands to this. Now, let's go with that first. And that is absolutely valid because Donald Trump, and I remember being at so many of his rallies where he said to his supporters, you know, if you beat the crap out of that guy, I'll pay your legal fees, or I'll pay your legal fees, or I'll take care of you for this, that, and the other. And then January 6th, when he sicked that mob on the Capitol, and there's no two ways about it. He told them to Mm -hmm. go there, and he told them if they didn't fight like hell they wouldn't have a country and he'd be there with them with them now they like about a thousand have been arrested indicted charged etc etc donald trump who, let's not forget, raised over a quarter of a billion dollars on the back of his lie about the election being stolen in 2020, did not give a cent of any money out of his pocket, out of that fund, out of any other fund, to support these people's legal fees, to support them at all. And it's very interesting now, because as you say, you know, he's saying, go and protest, protest, and a couple of dozen people turn up, and you'll get a couple of dozen lunatics anywhere to support Trump who want to go out and wave the flag and wear the MAGA hat and they don't need much incentive to do it. They just like doing it because it gives them a yeah, purpose. A day. Now, but the other thing is you may have seen in Waco on Saturday night. And we spoke about the significance of Waco and the 30th anniversary of the Branch Davidian raid by the FBI and how Waco was the cornerstone, the the springboard for the Three Percenters and the Proud Boys and Tim McVeigh and all these anti-government, you know, extremist groups. And how for Trump to turn up there on on that night, it's not so much a dog whistle as a full fire alarm bellowing announcement for them to gather and to rile up that very heavily mar- armed, very excitable mob of supporters that he has. So he turned up in Waco, and one of the things he did do was there's this, I don't know, bizarre thing called, it's a song. Well, let's see, that that might be stretching it. But the January 6th performed the national anthem, or one of the US national anthems, and over which Trump recites the Pledge of Allegiance. Now he doesn't rap it or do anything interesting with it, he just, you know, reads it out. And he. he So he's claiming that this is number one now, that this is number one, it's selling more or it's getting more downloads than Taylor Swift or Miley Cyrus and that he now feels like Elvis. Again, more nonsense. But to me, it's interesting that he's now... Having had a bit of a damp squib with his urge to protest, he's now going back to appearing to be behind the January 6th people who've been imprisoned and jailed and convicted and sentenced when he pretty well had ignored them for the Mm. last couple of years. So it was like, oh, not my problem. And so you'd wonder, is he thinking, okay, you know what? (laughs) I better start looking like I give a damn about these gobshites because otherwise I'm never going to get another protest out of this. And, but you know, it's interesting because I was talking to my dad about this and he said, it looks like that guy is trying to start a war. And you can, it's not an unreasonable thing to say, because it really seems like this death and destruction, this, all these threats, all this, like trying to rile people up, rile up his base. To what purpose? To what purpose? It mm. seems that violence is the purpose. And you really, I, I to- don't
0: know. Can I, can I ask you there? Sure. because." <laughs> Like we've been following it so long now. I always think you make the mistake of assuming the not you, but we and people in general make this mistake of assuming he's got a bigger picture in mind when in fact, I just feel that he works on a day to day basis on who he's arguing with. Now I'm here. Now I'm shouting at Mm -hmm. this person. And at the end of the day, does seem as simple as how do I get attention and he might be the greatest person at getting attention in the history of attention the Waco thing really troubled me because as I understand it and there's a brilliant Netflix documentary on this that we'll talk about later in the show one of my recommendations of the week David Koresh was a paedophile was a man who had sex with children yeah and This is where you go to do, like, it's also, I understand, to be a small town in Texas. Like, there's plenty of other cities that he could have gone to.
1: Exactly. I've been there. There's nothing there. Well, what is It's a small, no-mark town. And the only reason he went there instead of Houston or Dallas or... Well, you know, he probably wouldn't get Austin, wouldn't be an ideal place for him. But there are a dozen towns in Texas that are bigger, that are better equipped. The reason he got off the plane and had to do it in the airport was there's nowhere in Waco to hold around. Yeah,
0: where do you You go? Yeah, where Uh,
1: do you go? And
0: when he's there, right, so he he obviously sits on the plane and (laughs) leaves people standing out in the sun as is his his pattern then makes the big entrance and kind of shites on for what 45 <laughs> minutes to an hour about his grievance.
1: Expression of what the, <laughs> <laughs> of going on in my
0: <laughs> he does, the, like, as far as I could see, it's like an hour of they're I out to get me. me. I, I'm yeah, I, like, you. I'm ta- I'm, I'm really, I can't believe this. The Department of Injustice, <laughs> yada, 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 and. Then, kind of, the leap to, and uh, therefore, you should vote for me, and what I'm going to do. Do you get the sense that, like, we're in the waning hours of this thing in some ways, because that that part of the speech is largely greeted by silence and kind of people going, "Ah, oh, no, we should yeah. go back to doing the stand-up that he was doing about how everybody's yeah. out to get him."
1: It's not entertaining and he hmm. what he did at his early rallies and certainly the other ones i attended was whether you liked him or not you could see he was entertaining the crowd, and they didn't go there to really hear about politics. They went there to hear P- Trump slag off the people they hated, because he and Trump, Trump and the crowd, they all hated the same people. And they wanted to hear Trump, you know, call them stupid names and slag them off, etc. etc. But I, I think that the thing with Trump, though, I think that he does see that if he riles up his base, if he causes... Prosec- not prosecutors so much, but police and law enforcement to think that indicting him will potentially trigger serious civil unrest. I think that that is something that's on his radar. I think that's something he's considering. And as I've said to you before, I don't believe Trump is coming with all up with all of this on his own. I believe he's got people like Steve Bannon, who is out for chaos and disruption, yanking his chain and pulling his strings and telling him all this sort of parroting of Mussolini. I guarantee you, Trump probably thinks Mussolini is some kind of a pastor. Like uh, he is not a student of history, but Bannon is and other people are, and they know how to provoke Trump, how to make him do the authoritarian strongman. You know, and I really think that Trump is not averse civil unrest i think that he mm. sees that as being as in we heard from the january 6th committee how he was watching the riot unfolding and was almost like look they really like me they're really mad mm. look what they're doing for me you know it's, and yeah and, it's
0: it's the ultimate yeah. form of attention exactly. as exactly. i say so so with that in mind ronda santa who we've talked about i've kind of come to the realization this month that this may fizzle for him in that He's just not able to do what we're describing here. He doesn't right. seem to have the chutzpah or whatever you want to call it <gasps> to be able to just garner attention in that way.
1: But, you know, John, how are his poll been, figures looking? This, yeah, We've been saying this from the get-go about Ron DeSantis. He ain't your guy. He's dull. He's boring. He's got a swiny, nasally voice that you just want to turn off. It's like those people they put on on late-night TV who... Are trying to sell you, I don't know, a tie presser or something, and their voices are so grating. You just go, okay, geez, I'll buy it. Just shut up. Just shut up. (laughs) And he's got that voice that is really hard to listen to, and he's also a dull guy, and he's also an unpleasant guy. And anybody I spoke to on Capitol Hill, from when he was a congressman, Republican or Democrat, said. Basically, he was kind of a weirdo. That he was aloof. That he was snotty. That he was chippy. That he thought he was better than everybody else. And he did not do that even in the Capitol gym, which is apparently where they all hang out and back slap and towel snap and all the rest of it. That he would be in there every day beefing himself up, but if, he wouldn't even say hello to anyone. Like even Republicans. We're not talking even his Freedom Caucus buddies. He would just ignore. He's an odd guy, and I don't think you know Richard Nixon was an odd guy. Okay, fair enough. But I don't think Richard Nixon didn't have TikTok and Twitter. Yeah, different and, era, you know, different yeah, era. a different era. Yeah, it was a different era. You could get away with being odd then because you had three news channels and that was it. Uh, yeah. So I don't think he can get away with being odd. And I've never thought he was going to be the alternative to Trump. I still think it'll be somebody who'll sneak in like a Pompeo. I don't think Glenn and I think he's just too wimpy and Mr. Uncle Roger with his fleece and all that. But I think that it, somebody else could sneak in. But I think the point you made earlier is a good point about Trump. His crowds are getting smaller. They're, there's no doubt about it. What I saw at CPAC, it was like the air was slowly going out of the balloon. And the other thing, as, as you mentioned before, I cut across you there, was that when he spoke at the rally and when he spoke about DeSantis and over oh, on and he starts imitating him, the crowd just went completely quiet. They just mm. went completely quiet. They didn't cheer like whenever Trump slagged off other people, like Jeb Bush or even Ted Cruz or whatever. They would roar laughing um, yeah. and cheer him on. When he does this with DeSantis, they they kind of go quiet. They're not quite it's funny because sure because it's are. like.
0: It's like new material that's not hitting, uh, yeah, and yeah. The, you know, you go as a comedian, you go to small yeah. comedy clubs and you work <laughs> this stuff out. The yeah. only place he can work it out, doesn't. <laughs> yeah, only place he can work it out is in a giant airfield in Waco uh, <laughs> or CPAC, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or Seapac, and when it doesn't hit to that many people that's really not hitting because you know uh, if you're playing to such a large number
1: yeah that I think he's going to keep doing it because Mm. I think he he does fear that DeSantis could take this nomination from him and I think that he really feels the only thing he can do is to muddy DeSantis and but he's doing it also in other ways about policy it's not just oh you know he's a stupid guy, but DeSantis is kind of doing a lot of Trump's work for him because even this Disney stuff this week where it turns out that Disney and you kind of, you know, Mickey Mouse is a lot more like Tony Soprano than we might have thought. <laughs> but, uh,
0: I'm going to have to lay off. <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah. For, yeah, first of all, Disney lay off 7,000 people, but then this whole thing about Reedy Creek and DeSantis firing the Disney board and having a coup and taking it over with his nominees, etc. And Disney was kind of going yeah okay okay and I kind of wondered at one point well why aren't they taking this to court why aren't they challenging this very arbitrary and vindictive move against them and sorry just for the gang out there this is in the context of when Disney came out and protested DeSantis's don't say gay law and you know Charles one other thing the don't say gay law as we spoke about last year. DeSantis said, oh, it's to stop sex education or any kind of gender identity being discussed with children up to, I think it was third grade, 10-year-olds, we'll say. And I remember we were saying, yeah, that would be fine if it was just that. But there was a clause in it that said DeSantis could change that anytime he wanted to any age he wanted. So he could say at any time. And it's not just 10 year olds. Now I'm putting it to 18 year olds. And guess what? That's exactly what he has done. That's exactly what he did last week. He said, I'm changing this now. I want to extend it to throughout primary school. And we're looking at middle wow. high school as well. So, you know, no surprise there. But what Disney did when he said he was taking over their Reedy Creek special deal, that they have a real sweet tax deal they've had there since 1967, they sort of said, OK. And so they were put, he was firing all their boards and he was bringing in his board and for what the outgoing board did was they enacted a final thing that basically says DeSantis's board can do nothing for the next 30 years because they've done all this grandfathering and sunsetting of regulations furiously behind the scene. So basically DeSantis's board are going to be sitting there twiddling their thumbs for the next 30 years and there's nothing they can do to change what Disney's corporate structure is in Florida. And apparently this is making DeSantis look pretty damn stupid and he is not liking it at all, that he got defeated by Mickey Mouse, basically. But as you said, the Disney layoffs, that's an interesting, you know, it was coming down the pipe. Everyone knows Disney overpaid ridiculously for Fox Entertainment when they bought it back in 2019. And so as a result, Disney is now laying off about 7,000 people. But they start, they're laying off some really senior, it's not just the grunt workers at the end, it's not just the people who are, wandering around disneyland for 10 bucks an hour in fact they're keeping most of them because they cost them almost nothing but they are laying off a lot of their senior people a lot of their vice presidents the head of marvel a lot so it's very sort of interesting that the way bob iger is approaching this it's almost like he's going to war within disney so yeah there's yeah, a there's lot a whole of people bunch from stuff this, going on there.
0: a lot of people from this metaverse Seven thousand employees yep. are expected yep. to be laid off that like that must be a like the, here we saw accenture doing similar
1: right, yeah, uh,
0: and my father-in-law turns to me and goes what's going on why would they do this and the only thing you could think to yourself is they know something we don't know and when we yeah. looked at credit swiss and we looked at you know silicon valley bank we were all told it was a ripple in the water yeah. uh, is there any concern over there that the ripples are getting larger and that this could turn into a wave
1: I think that there's there has been expected since the end of COVID that there, you know, it's very interesting, the delusion that people laboured under during COVID and indeed after COVID, because COVID was a time when all the tech stuff, all the online wellness companies, the online entertainment, the streamers, they all went through the roof because people were stuck in. They had nothing else to do except watch crap on Disney and order crap online and look at Gwyneth Paltrow's crappy wellness you know, site or whatever yeah. and laugh about the price. Well, more
0: screen time than yeah. ever before.
1: Exactly. But now people are back to semi-normal and they're not watching as much TV and they're not ordering as much stuff online and they're not that interested in a lot of what is being shown on Disney and other channels. So I think that there was always going to be a sort of a realignment and a re... You know, this happens that things things just change. You have a bubble, you have a boom and a bust. And we had a sort of a mini boom bust, especially in the tech you know, era during COVID. And I think that what Disney is doing now is it's saying, okay, you know what? We haven't got kids and adults and teenagers in front of their tellies or on their, their iPads 24 hours a day anymore. It's back to a couple of hours a day. And do we really need all this? And as I said, also factoring in that they ridiculously overpaid for Fox Entertainment 72 billion Mm -hmm. I think it was or was it 92 billion anyway up in the billions it wasn't worth half that and I suppose now they're having to trim the fat and pull in the belts and all the other things you know so Final final question though I need to ask
0: you about Ron DeSantis before we get off this is obviously his area the whole his whole battle with Disney is so well known and it's probably earned him an awful lot of recognition with people these kind of big swings at bat going for these huge home runs that he thinks will play to his gallery. His response to the potential indictment of Donald Trump is being used against him by a lot of voters who would have described themselves as DeSantis sympathetic, that they would potentially consider voting for him, but they love Trump. At the end of the day, that's where their heart belongs to the orange guy. And It seems like he didn't say what they wanted to hear in relation to this indictment.
1: First time I've ever heard him say anything mildly amusing. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously, he won't try that again in a while. Yeah, he said, well, you know, uh, well, that he doesn't know because he couldn't speak to what goes into paying a porn star that he had an affair with. And he was he was kind of sort of put, sticking it to Trump in a way that I think he thought was subtle, but clearly it wasn't that subtle. And it did antagonise the Trump supporters who felt he was mocking their leader. And how dare he? DeSantis is... It kind of it to me, it sounded very scripted and it sounded like something that one of his advisors said, oh, come on, Ron, you need to sound a bit more fun. You need to sound a little bit more Trumpy, maybe. And it didn't work because so many people have said this. If you get down in the mud with Trump, it's like wrestling a pig. You know, you'll come out worse, but the pig will enjoy it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the pig beats you with experience.
1: You're just not going to win. And the pig loves getting muddy. It's, yeah. it, it just, it, but it's, also,
0: no, there's yeah. all this talk of alphas. I heard a discussion of this, like, who's the alpha? Is it DeSantis? Is it mm-hmm. Trump? And the line that he gave was so kind of, as you say, schoolyardy. He probably thought he was doing you know, the right thing. But really what he needed to do was say, I'm actually in a position of power here. I'm in charge where I am. And yeah. this shit would never fly. With me in charge. Uh, It it, it brings me to the final, final question on this. And we do need to talk about so many other things. And we will do so in the second half of our show over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad, where you get to hear the XL version of our chats each week. The polls keep getting brought up in relation to DeSantis and Trump. Yeah, it's it seems like such a damp squib. It seems so silly to listen to polls, especially after how wrong they've been in the past. Mm-hmm. Why have? Why does it seem that everybody's forgotten how inaccurate these things were? Why are we back believing them when we know now that many Trump supporters simply won't interact with polls or give yeah. accurate answers to pollsters?
1: Exactly. They don't, simply they don't trust posters. And also, I've spoken to a lot of people at Trump rallies who love Trump, but who say, they're there to see him, they're there for the show, but they're really ambivalent about whether or not they do want him to be president, whether or not they do want him to run again, whether they want him to be the Republican nominee, because a lot of them do believe that he might not win. And if he wins, it'll just be indictment central all over again. Now, I think that the one other thing I should say very quickly here, Gerald, is that just to put the whole legal thing in perspective for Trump at the moment, Trump has five criminal investigations ongoing and he has five civil investigations ongoing. That's 10 different trials in total, okay? So he is up to his eyeballs in legal writs. Now, the one that we spoke about, the Stormy Daniels one, it's kind of the most sensational because it involves payoffs to a porn actress and it's the most salacious and Michael Cohen running against him and now God knows what David Pecker said about Karen McDougall, the Playboy model, et cetera, et cetera. But it's actually potentially the least damaging legal case for Trump. And I mean that in a sense of, A, if he's convicted or if he's indicted, because not just that his supporters really don't care that he paid off a porn actress, they could care less, but also it's very unlikely he will go to prison for that anyway. So I think that you can. The ones that are much more serious are the two in Washington that Jack Smith's bringing. The one about the theft, which because it is theft of the classified documents from the White House and his obstructing of their return. That is you know, Smith pretty well has that to rights. There is so much evidence. You know, the the Stormy Daniels case is tricky legally for a number of reasons. I won't get down the weeds of that one. But there is very little doubt and very little ambivalence about the criminal aspects of Trump, as I said, first of all, taking the documents from the White House, the highly classified documents, and then refusing to return them and concealing their whereabouts. The other one, the January 6th trial is going ahead at a rate of knots at the moment. You've now got Mike Pence is being forced to testify and he's quibbling about that and blah, 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 being Mike Pence, you know, chalk dust in his veins about it. But Mark Meadows, which is really serious, is also compelled to testify now. Now, I suspect Mark Meadows will just go in and plead the Fifth Amendment. But even that, even the fact that Trump's chief of staff is going to have to do that very likely is really serious. And then, as we've said before, you've got the Fannie Willis case. In Georgia, where if she isn't hobbled by the Georgia legislature, which is quite likely at the moment, she's got a case. She's got the phone. She's got the tapes. It's the evidence in that case is overwhelming. So these are much stronger and more consequential cases. And there's also a piddling little case up in Westchester is also a criminal case where Mimi had the local DA, is looking into Trump's inflating of, you know, the values of his golf courses up there and then deflating them. And then, as I said, you've got the civil actions. So almost in a way, the Stormy Daniels, the legal action that's the least consequential criminally and politically is the one that's getting all the and you wonder if trump isn't doing this deliberately if this isn't why he's going you know protest i'm going to be arrested because the other ones it's almost like look at this dumpster fire over here don't look at the other ones because the other yeah. ones are much more serious
0: wow well uh, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see what the coming yeah. weeks hold because obviously mm-hmm. as we said at the very start there's that hiatus for that grand jury. What will they they do with that time?
1: And even if they do, Alton Bragg may still decide not to prosecute. So obviously all this frenzy has been whipped up entirely by one person, and that one person is Donald Trump.
0: Well, speaking of frenzy, the killer of three children and three adults at a Christian elementary school in Tennessee apparently bought numerous firearms in the weeks leading up to this mass shooting this week. Audrey Hale, who's 28 years old at the time, was under a doctor's care for what seems to be an unspecified emotional disorder of some sort at the time of the rampage, yet was able to buy these weapons. This seems cut and dry, but you're not going to believe some of the responses from Republicans to this tragedy. We're going to talk about all of that and the Paltrow case in the second half of my discussion with Marion over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. Come on over and join us. There's a 15% discount going this month.
1: Ready? You have the cameras rolling. This is America. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encourage